Talk to the customer. Be customer-centric. Do your customer research. These are words we hear a lot in the marketing world, especially the fintech one, where customer centricity is considered one of the unique selling points fintechs have when compared to incumbents. So how well do you know your customer? The truth is, we often overestimate how well we understand our customers. That's including me. 30-year-old male software engineer with two kids who lives in the suburbs, and his main challenge is figuring out the best way to save for retirement. That description doesn't mean knowing your customer. You know you understand your customer inside out when you can predict what their next move is. And often, to reach that point, you need to do research. That means doing both qualitative and quantitative research, as well as sending out surveys, getting on calls with them, talking to your sales support team, and a lot more. That's when you start to understand their pain points. In this episode, I'm chatting with Head of Content at Attest. Sarah Hollinshead. Attest is a consumer research platform that aims to make consumer research fast, simple, and affordable. They've worked with big companies like Klarna, Wise, and others we mention on this podcast. I was really looking forward to this episode because I feel that consumer research is often something we talk a lot about without explaining exactly how it's done. In this episode, Sarah and I dig into why consumer research is especially important for fintechs, how fintech companies use a test, and some really interesting consumer trends over the past 18 months. You're listening to Market Like a Fintech, a podcast that dives into the nitty-gritty of marketing a fintech company. I am your host, Araminta Robertson, partner at the Fintech Marketing Hub. And before we dive in on the topic of customer research, We're actually doing our own research as well with this podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. Whether it's feedback or just you want to come on the podcast or you know anyone who should be on the podcast, please reach out to us via LinkedIn or you can email me at araminta at mintcopywritingstudios.com. I'd love to hear from you. So without further ado, let's hear from Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Thank you for joining me today. Before we jump in, I'd love you to tell me a little bit about a test and what it is that you do. Sure. Hi, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, Araminta. So a test, yeah, we are a consumer insights platform and we basically make it ridiculously simple to uncover opportunity with consumer data. So We work with the fastest growing businesses and they use us to inform their marketing decisions so they have more confidence. They're not just relying on gut instinct. They're actually allowing their customers to essentially make the decisions for them. And they do that on a continuous basis. And it massively reduces the risk for them as a business, Um, means they're able to move smarter, move quicker, ultimately win against their competitors. And um, because the insights are so fast, it's perfect for an industry like the the fintech industry, which is so customer centric and also so fast innovating and also global. So we have audiences of 100 million uh, across 49 markets. So many of our fintech clients are you know, have big ambitions to take over the world. So benefit from the global nature um, of our of our audiences. For me personally at a test, I head up content. Uh, so that means I have the pleasure of using the platform myself to be able to tap into trending topics and changing consumer behaviors. Uh, and we generate a lot of fantastic insight across our magazines, blogs, video series, etc. And then I also 
have the pleasure of speaking to our clients often as well to understand how they're using our uh, consumer insights, using the platform to drive their business and make bold decisions and, and have amazing success. And I've personally worked in the fintech industry and in market research for about seven years. Um, so yeah, it's a real pleasure to be talking about both of those topics with you today. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm, I'm quite excited for this episode, actually, because customer research is at the core of marketing and you could argue of product, of, of so many different things. And as you said correctly, fintech, it's moving so quickly and it's so customer centric that data or research has to be at the core of it, both quantitative and qualitative. So it's cool to, yeah, to be talking about this subject and kind of understand what customer research really means and what is good customer research. So that's the, the next question I'm going to ask you, which is, why is customer research important? Well, we kind of touched that on that for fintech, but why is it especially important right now? And maybe also, what do you mean by customer research? So I suppose it's, it's why is customer research important generally and then and why specifically for the fintech industry? And I think they're, they're two separate things in themselves. I think for more generally, like I said before, it, it's a massive risk reducer. You know, so many decisions are being made just off gut instinct or because it feels right and um it seems mad in this in this day and age <laughs> that we you know we know that the customer's voice is the most important it's going to drive our future success and yet it can still seem quite difficult to tap into it on a really continuous you know regular basis and so that's what a test is 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 trying to do but that is the benefit of consumer research is it reduces that that guesswork basically and i think we've all seen a number of examples where it's been obvious that that process hasn't gone through you know you hear your classic marketing fails I think fails might be a strong word but one that that comes to mind for me uh, a couple of years ago was the the Revolut advertising campaign so they uh, I'm not sure if you remember, recall this one they were inspired by that award-winning Spotify campaign which was sort of quite playful about the data it was like you know dear whoever listened to sorry 85 times on valentine's day are you okay it was it was that series revolute was sort of inspired by that i'll say and created something similar with with payment behavior with with purchasing um data and it just completely didn't land in the same way and i think that was just a clear misunderstanding of how consumers feel about their listening habits versus their personal data you know they really want their providers to keep that information private and secure. And uh, it just didn't work. And that's a really great example of how just being able to test these theories or validate or look for important perceptions that consumers have about brands and their products and services, that really would have overcome that. Just just for our listeners who might not know what was going on, uh, just to, would you mind like telling us what happened again? So Revolut did, a, if I remember correctly, Revolut did a an ad talking about spending habits. I can't remember. What, do you remember what the copy was? Because I can't remember. I, I can't recall. So, so yeah, the Spotify, I can't recall exactly, but the Spotify equivalent was that. It was like, whoever listened to, you know, My Heart is Broken on Valentine's Day, there was 85, there was 8,500 of you or something. Are you okay? That was the sort of Spotify equivalent. Mm. And there's a few various other ones. And then the Revolut was, was sort of something similar. So say- Found it. So basically it was called Single Shaming banking ad. Yes. Yeah, so the ad says uh, backlash over single shaming a banking ad to the 12,750 people who ordered a single takeaway on Valentine's Day. <laughs> you okay, hun? 
that was it, which is great. And I get it. It's dynamic. It's fun. But it was, yeah, I mean, there was this, the single shaming nature of it. But it was also just like, hey, don't use my banking, mm-hmm. like my purchasing data for, for your marketing gain. It's not the same as like a song that I like listening to on on Spotify, it's just totally different when we're dealing with yeah. people's, you know, banking and money. And I mean, it turned out the stats were all made up anyway. So they weren't actually, <laughs> but that oh. wasn't clear in the advertising campaign. And, you know, yeah, it just it just didn't land as they wanted to for obvious reasons. Um, but speaking to your customers in an iterative way would have would have overcome that. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, and I like that example. And I kind of wanted to go back to my other question, which is when we talk about customer research, do we mean sending out surveys uh, through an email list or do we mean checking Google Trends or do we mean, yeah, so can you kind of outline a few customer research um, approaches? Sure. And there, there are tons and they're so like, they vary in terms of the application. I think at the sort of, when we're talking about customer insight and market research, the two key ways are qualitative and quantitative. So qualitative is when you're going to want uh, a sort of smaller group. It's more your classic focus groups and you're getting more uh, like original content from the people you're speaking to. So you get to hear things in their voice, but you haven't got so much scale in terms of feedback. And then quantitative is going to be yeah your standards uh, surveys that you're sending out and you're getting you know responses from hundreds, thousands of people. Um, you're really able to like quantify attitudes, needs, behaviors, all of that information that you need. So both work quite well in harmony, to be honest, and it depends on the application. I think, in, yeah, Google Trends, you know, this. <laughs> I think a problem as marketers that we have is it's not an issue about the amount of data. I think particularly in the fintech industry, you know, data is everywhere. There's a there's a fantastic marketing strategist, I don't know, Tom Roach, who who's, you know, a close close pal of a test. He talks about data blindness being more of an issue than data poverty, right? Everyone's got data, but it's actually being able to interrogate it properly and mm. use it uh, in an effective way. Yeah, that that's often the struggle for marketers, and I think particularly in fintech. And that's the benefit of consumer research. If you just do market research to to understand the answer to one specific question that you're trying to get. You're just asking your customers, tell me, tell me what I should, you know, tell me what I should do. Tell me what you want. Tell me what to, uh, what your needs are. And, uh, it's, it's the most important data point that you can get, you know, in a world of too much information. Uh, it's, it's the one data point you should be listening to. And so to touch a little bit on, and we're going to dive a little bit deeper into those methods, uh, you know, what, what you do at a test, but you've touched on why this is particularly important for fintech businesses, uh, is there anything else that you'd like to add on there apart from the fact that it's constantly changing and it's it's very customer centric? Oh yeah, tons. There's loads of stuff going on in the fintech industry that that make it uniquely a, a great fit for for consumer research. I think we've touched upon the pace of change. I think you know we've clearly seen that in the last six to twelve months with everything that's gone on with the pandemic. People have new financial goals. They've got new priorities. There's possibly a more responsible attitude to money. People are more receptive to, you know, help, advice, and also to more forward-thinking, proactive brands. You know, they've had time to sort of reevaluate things, you know. And so that's just in the last six, well, six to 18 months, I suppose. But then even before that, as an industry, there's been a huge unbundling of finance, right? All of these amazing fintechs coming in and uh, really owning a niche and doing it the best that, you know, customers haven't even experienced how great that they are at 
that particular niche that they're owning, whether it's a, a way to do savings or it's a, it's your pension or it's, you know, all of these different products that sit under the financial services umbrella, they're coming in and they're nailing that one part. We're now in a rebundling stage, right? We can't, ha- everyone's not going to have a thousand different providers for all of their different finances. And so because of that, it's so competitive, right? It's never been more competitive than it is now. And I think the only way to get above your competitors and to be tapping into, okay, the customers definitely want this. And this is how I tell them to, this is how I um, message it to them is, is research. So I think the pace of change matched with how increasingly competitive the industry comes makes it really unique. I think also a couple of other things, the, the importance of trust within this industry is just so unique to financial services. We sort of touched upon it with Revolut. You know, we can't, we've got these cool new brands, but fundamentally people feel very differently about their money and their finances than they do about other things that they purchase or other relationships they have with brands. And that always needs to be tapped into um, and and sort of looked after. And it can be a real bonus for companies that get it right. So understanding relationship with trust and money is really important. I think the way that people build relationships with brands has completely changed. So, you know, historically, you just sort of your parents would take you down to your local branch and that was how you chose your brand. Now there's so many different banks, fintechs, challenges, digital only players that you can choose from. How you actually acquire customers is constantly changing. So that's an important factor. And then I think finally as well, customer experience is all people have to play with right now in a low interest environment, right? Like you would, people typically will choose products because best interest rate or, you know, other factors that other features that can be built into the core of the products, but they're just not there anymore. So really the distinguishing factor that brands have to play with is customer experience. You know, what, what are the budgeting supports that you're going to give me? Can you gamify savings? What rewards can you give me? Can I cancel my card quickly? You know, literally this morning I'm going away with a, a few friends this weekend and my friends lost her card and she's going to be using cash for the whole weekend because her provider can't give her any other option that quickly, which is just so archaic and feels really mad, <laughs> but that's the truth of it. And that's what's potentially going to move that person away from that brand because those those little sort of value added services are the most important things right now. So if you're not nailing them, you risk you risk losing customers. Um so yeah, I think you know there's a there's a I could go on, but there's a, there's a few yeah. examples of why I think research is so important in this industry and why the fintech industry is particularly different and and yeah, how how consumer insights can help. Yeah, I think that's you've touched on some really good points. The other thing I would say also is Customer experience is a way to stand out, but also brand, right? Mm. Brand loyalty. Mm. And that's where marketing comes in. And this is why I was talking with someone the other day and they were saying, you know, traditionally in financial services in a bank, the marketing department is really an expense. Like (laughs) you're not, you're, you know, you're not very important, but it's really interesting because in fintech, this is completely different. Uh, Fintech companies have understand the role that marketing and branding plays. And this is often what what allows them to come above or ahead of the banks because they actually, you know, customer centricity is what we've talked about before. Mm. So it's really interesting how customer research in this case, or what we're talking about, is being used for product development, but also for marketing. And that's what we talked about before, Revolut messing up their marketing. So I kind of want to dive into how you do this at a test now. Obviously, you do this for both product and marketing, right? Some, a fintech comes to you and says, we want to understand our customers better. Maybe it's for marketing, maybe it's for product. How, how do you get started? Where, where does it all begin? 
It really just depends on the problem that you're trying to solve. So I think you've mentioned a really good one around brand. This has become critically important. And as I said before, in a world where you don't just follow what your parents did, you are making an active choose about active choice, sorry, about the brand that you're engaging with. And therefore that uh, brand perception, that brand kind of loyalty, how much people are going to recommend you, that is critically important. And so knowing what is working in your marketing activity to bolster that uh, is is super important. So uh, we work with a lot of fintech clients around this, trying to understand how, yeah, how they're received, who they're resonating with, how does that compare to their competitors? And that would be the way that they use a test for that is with brand tracking. Um, there's a number of different angles you can take with brand tracking surveys. We have a ton of templates on our website that are hugely helpful and, and some blog posts about how to build those. But they're really critical in just being able to assess the ROI really on your activity that you're doing. And everybody knows, you know, the sort of long and short of it. The brand building activity is the long term uh, strategy that's going to build your business over time. So brand tracking is a fantastic way to, to get that insight and be able to action um, upon upon it. We also get a lot of people trying to understand the different types of consumers they have and they'll use consumer profiling. So that's another type of research that you can do uh, with a test and, and across a number of different platforms as well. And that's just really understanding that there's different pools of consumers that you'll be servicing to and you need to create the right messaging. You need to be packaging your product in the right way, putting it in the place that they're going to find it. It's not a one size fits all, right? You think about well, an example we always use is, you know, you walk down the I don't know the cereal aisle at your supermarket and it's really obvious that the different products are designed and marketed to different groups of people you've got your your health conscious option right and you've got your time pressed option and you've got someone that wants something quite luxurious and it, it's fintech needs to do the same thing you know how do fintechs or digital only banks how do they market to the over 50s how do they uh, speak to people that have a specific pain point that's quite unique to them, you know, going through a big life stage, you know, marriage, children, something like that. It's it buying a house. So it's using the uh, platform. It's quite an intricate thing to do, but really, really simple if you've got the right templates uh, is to do consumer folk profiling, finding those different pockets of consumers that are perfect for your brand and then, you know, adjusting your marketing to those different groups. It's really useful. And then another one that we, we've sort of lent upon before, which is um, creative testing. So that's what you would use to test your branding, basically. So any sort of copy taglines, any creatives that you're using for advertising, you can actively just go on to, uh, you can use consumer research to just test it. Do you like A or B? Simple as that, you know, and you're not just guessing. <laughs> I do it all the time. You know, I've you know, as a marketer myself coming up with ad copy, I think I've nailed it. I've got this cool tagline and then you test it and you're like, oh, cool. No, they actually uh, hate the one that I like. And, and we go with the other one. And it, it, can't, it can't just be my decision. And it's the same for fintech marketers. It can't just be a few people sitting in a room choosing between two options. Well, it doesn't have to be that. You can just you can be testing that with with real consumers. And then the same for products, as we've spoken about. So really being able to test product concepts, um, what features uh, et cetera, before you're launching. And I think that's the one that has the most sort of risk in terms of potential money or time wasted on building something that people just aren't, people just either don't want or it's not presented in the right way. So yeah, products, uh, new product development is a sort of umbrella term for a number of different ways that you can do concept testing, you can do pricing testing, you can do uh, packaging testing, et cetera. 
So there's a few examples. um, But as I said, it's really about the problem that you're trying to solve or the unknown that you need to find out. And there'll be a way that consumer research can help you. And we've got loads of helpful templates, as I said, on our website. So people can check those out. Yeah, I was was just going to ask that because as I'm doing research myself at the moment, um, there's also a little bit of like knowing what questions to ask Mm. and knowing like it's, it might sound obvious customer research, just go talk to your customers. Sure. Okay. But yeah. <laughs> um, what kind of customers, what questions do I need to be asking them? Should I get on a call with them or should I send them a survey? There's so many like little details in there. Is that also something that I test you're offering like guidance consulting? You mentioned templates, which uh, sound really useful, which is probably like a good, good place to start for many people, but is there any other additional kind of help that you offer? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, not everyone you can be a fantastic marketer and and not have just had the experience of actually building a questionnaire yourself um uh, building a survey or or a question to ask over the phone or in a in a focus group and it's it's a bit of a skill that if you enter first time it is it can sometimes feel a bit daunting but it really really mm-hmm. doesn't have to be and we uh do everything we can to make that as simple a process for the, the, our customers um, and clients, but also, you know, encourage a survey that you're going to get the best results from, because that's the most important thing. The way you craft the questions is going to impact the results that you get. So we have a ton of educational uh, information on our blog. We have loads of templates, which are exactly that. It's showcasing example questions and you can just sort of edit from there, you know, select the different features or put your brand name in and it's super simple to use. Um, But what we also have is a team of experts. You know, sometimes you just need that hands-on support. Um, And we have, we... Uh, have our customer excellence uh, division within the company and they they help our clients all the time in crafting those questions, uh, pulling them together in the right order, thinking about the type of demographics that they want, the type of audience they want to speak to. You can get really, really niche on the platform, which is really cool. So yeah, I think we've got as many digital forms of help we can, but sometimes we, we you need that human support and, and we offer that here at Attest as well. And another like specific question is for, for B2B, customer research sometimes is a bit easier because mm. uh, you're, you're building relationships with your clients. And it's sometimes, yeah, it's, it's easier to reach out and say, I know you had a great experience. Can I just talk to you? But for B2C uh, fintechs or pretty much any company, really, they send out a huge, you know, they send out an email to a huge mailing list and maybe they get a few responses, maybe not enough. The point is that it can be a bit harder to get consumers or customers to fit in a survey. So just um, out of curiosity, what, what do you find works best to incentivize customers, so more mass market, to complete a survey or to mm. join a focus group? Is it just plain, here's 20 quid? Or is it like <laughs> join a raffle? Just out of your experience, out of curiosity, what, sure. what, what, what do you think works best? Yeah. So <laughs> the way that customers will work with us with the test is they can write their own survey and be sending it to their own group of customers. And that's actually completely free to do on a test. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we actually encourage is to send them out to a uh, a wider audience, because often the customers that you don't have have as much insightful feedback to provide as the customers that mm-hmm. you do. And so speaking to both of them is really important. And also having something unbranded creates far less bias um, in terms mm. of the responses that you're going to get. So that's uh, a sort of primary um, benefit of using a test is you've got access to this audience of 100 million around the globe. And in terms of incentivization, something that's really unique to us and we really strongly believe in is that there isn't 
uh, a perfect one answer to that. And actually having a variety of incentives is going to give you a more diverse respondent and you're going to uh, pick up different types of people, which is going to be more representative of the audience that you want to speak to. So we work with multiple panels, basically, and all of those panels will have a different way of incentivizing. So it might be air miles. It might be, as you said, an Amazon launcher, uh, lots of different things so that you're not just speaking to one type of customer. Because you think if you're incentivized in the same way there's probably going to be some similarities between you and then you're also going to reach a sort of a saturation point with that type of customer whereas because we aggregate we speak to multiple different panels it means that we get this really representative uh, group of people it means that we have access to more people who can respond far quicker because so, they're responding simultaneously we get results back super speedily um, and actually another uh, benefit is the data quality is much richer because it goes through multiple level layers of, of um, quality control during that process. That's just a little side benefit. But yeah, I think the answer is there shouldn't be one particular way. You should be, there should be a variety of incentives to get the variety of audience that you need. That's, yeah, that's interesting. And it's cool that obviously at a test, you, you're kind of handling that yourself. Yeah, right? so oh, that's absolutely. one of the main benefits of working with a test is, okay, well, they can figure that part out. I just do the survey or whatever. Cool. And um, I'd love to talk about a little, like a, an example or a use case. Uh, I remember I was chatting to one of your colleagues and she was talking about WISE, I believe, you know, mm -hmm. TransferWISE. Mm -hmm. um, you've been working with WISE and you don't have to share any specific numbers or anything, but I'd love to hear a little bit how it worked out for them and how they used the test and how it benefited them. Sure. Yeah. So um, they, yeah, they've been a customer of ours for a while now and they're a fantastic brand to be working with and they're, they're growing so rapidly. Um, and yeah, it, it's awesome to watch. They um, predominantly are using us, as, as we spoke about before, for understanding that ROI of the brand building work that they're doing. So, you know, they have fantastic digital campaigns. They're doing all of this brand building activity, but just struggling to be able to quantify the impact of that and therefore sort of invest in the right places for, for better growth. Uh, and so they've they've been using us with brand tracking. And this was as you can imagine, even more critical as they went through their recent rebrand mm, and the rename. Yeah. So to have that yeah. understanding of information before going through that process and then after is critical, right? You know, unless you have a, a sort of baseline that you're working upon to be able to understand when you make these big changes in a rebrand, um, it's difficult to understand. So yeah, it's, it's been great working with, with Wise on, on brand tracking for a while now. Are, are there any other uh, cool companies you've been working with that you've worked on a specific use case or type of research that you can share with uh, with our listeners? Yeah, of course. Yeah, there's there's loads. Uh, you'll have to try and stop me talking. Um, I uh, we work with I think one of the most prolific fintechs of the time. They're leading um, you know buy now pay later expansion across Europe, and they've been using the platform to help with their localization uh, with their expansion. So understanding that consumers within each market aren't going to be the same and that you need to be yeah, changing your offering and changing your the way that you're talking about it specific to that market. And so they uh, had a recent example where they la were launching into Belgium, I believe, and they found that their product messaging and naming, the way they were talking about buy now, pay later services, which is a still relatively new concept in some markets, just completely wasn't resonating. And so they use the platform to create different scenarios to be able to test, you know, imagine you're buying a pair of trousers, you want to pay for this in X, Y, Z number of ways. And they were able to work out this messaging that really resonated with the market. It's particularly important for them as a brand because 
sort of transparency is one of their big uh, attributes that they want to to focus on. And so, and they that proved to be really important in Belgium, just the transparency around the products. So I think they it landed on rather than just sort of buy now, pay later, it was pay in 21 days. So upfront, super clear, exactly what the process is. And they found particularly for that market, that was massively important. I'm trying to think, we have, oh, we've got another... Another great brand, actually, they uh, a fintech. They work on sort of consolidating pensions um, in the UK, and they have been using the platform to understand sort of brand health, firstly, but also uh, an interesting one, which is around customer perceptions to socially responsible investments, which is comp- really topical in financial services, right? With the pressures on ESG factors being really, really. Um, important for all businesses it was it was really vital for them to understand okay how much are consumers aware of like uh, socially responsible investments how much of that is a push factor how much of that is a pull factor you know is it important for us to talk about our socially responsible investments you know do we need to be more considerate of the investments we are making to ensure that they are socially responsible uh, do we potentially lose customers if they're not you know so so many intricacies around it um and they were able to sort of get a sense check a bit of a pulse test on how consumers felt about it because it's so integral to their to their product offering yeah that's really interesting thank you for sharing mm. and actually well i have another question just on this topic is because you're sharing examples of like brands that are quite established already, reasonably well known within the fintech space. Yeah. I'm wondering for, for an early stage fintech that is just beginning to build the brand, mm. what kind of customer research should they be doing, do you think? And if you have any examples, feel free to share. If not, that's fine. But yeah, that's that's my main question. Well, a lot of the brands that we're working with, we have been working with since they're relatively small, right? These brands skyrocket really, really quickly. I mean, we're working with a crypto brand, a couple of them actually, that They've just gone from zero to hero in what feels like five minutes. <laughs> and that's an interesting industry, right? Because a lot of these fintech companies are trying to make access to dig- cryptocurrencies, you know, safe and easy and comprehensible and accessible to everybody. Um, and so understanding how to translate this fairly complex and new uh, form of payment to people is is really critical. So they've used the platform for that, trying to understand the language around this and who's going to actually even be interested who should they bother marketing that's actually probably one that i'd say is really important for for smaller stage uh fintechs is trying to establish who you're speaking to because once you understand who your where the appetite is and who your audience is you can then do far more work to cater to them if you're trying to cater to everyone in the first, you know, the first hit, you may not get the success that you want. And when you're working with relatively low budgets and relatively low resource in terms of your teams, um, being able to focus is really critical. That is probably one that I'd say is fantastic for for more startup stage businesses. And then I do think getting an early, early getting an early hit on brand is is really essential because it's when you grow, having, as I said, that baseline to understand where you come from is really important. Being able to, again, find out what's working and what's not, turning things on, turning things off, again, is really important when you've got that relatively low resource. So there's, yeah, there's a couple of examples. We genuinely believe that market research is for everybody. And that's why we make it simple. That's why we make it affordable. And our client base is a real big mix. We're working with a massive global bank and we're working with startup fintechs and to be honest, the, the problems are slightly different, but the solutions are always there on the platform. 
And I think you're, you've mentioned something which is actually quite important, which is you're affordable. And that's very important for early stage startups who have, you know, a small marketing budget. Uh, and so Atest kind of offers a good opportunity to validate the market. Or if you don't have a market, then do your research. Uh, and then from there, kind of step up. Because I think we all know or have personally experienced what a waste of money, energy and time it is to, you know, focus on the wrong segment. It just doesn't work. And I've been there. Everyone's been there. Yes. So this is just a really cost effective way of being, OK, do we are we actually solving a problem that these people want or is it the other kind of person? want? And I don't know if this is a question or not, but it's true that also, also with startups, they don't have a huge mailing list. Mm -hmm. Right. And so being able to access kind of a much wider audience through another platform, just it makes it a little bit easier. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Just just to, to I think the, the next topic that I'd like to talk about is um, uh, consumer trends, because obviously at a test you have access to a treasure trove of data. And it'd be really interesting to hear a little bit what you've noticed over the past 18 months or so, obviously COVID, et cetera. What are some consumer trends that you've seen and how does it kind of relate to fintech? Yeah, sure. It's something that we're tapping into all the time. Yeah, we, we've, we've done some recent studies in the UK and the US, which um, I, can, I can share some insight from with you. Um, following on from what we were talking about, about buy now, pay later. That's a really interesting industry to me. I think I've always had a particular interest in payments because there's so much going on all the time and you've got a mixture of tons of cool fintechs matched with loads of like regulatory changes going on and it just makes for quite an interesting mix. Um, and so I've always followed Buy Now Pay Later and we, it's obviously had quite a tumultuous year in the UK in terms of getting some bad press around sort of creating um, credit for people that possibly can't afford to pay it back. Uh, and then there's been regulatory changes that have come into place to try and make it safer. Um, and we were asking consumers around, you know, with these changes, with these regulatory changes coming in, how do you feel about waiting a little bit longer to get some um, affordability checks done before you can use the service? And, and how long is too long? And what's going to put you off? And what makes you feel better? And, and all those types of questions. And we actually found that almost half, so 49% of UK uh, buy now pay later users said they would actually spend more if they've had an affordability check because they feel more comfortable. But I just think that's a really cool example of how actually making consumers feel comfortable, giving them that trust actually can be a real benefit. It can make them want to spend more money and use your services more. Um, and I thought that that was just quite, a, like almost you wouldn't anticipate that. It felt quite contrarian, but really, really interesting. And so I think now those regulatory changes are coming in, it will be great to see how the buy now pay later industry continues to boom. And there's so many more players that are getting involved in it. I mean, literally on like a weekly basis, I feel like someone else is jumping on the, <laughs> jumping on the bandwagon. And then I think digital banking, it's, you know, it's a tale as old as time, that one. I feel like we've been talking about it for ages, but um, it is continuing to rise. So we saw uh, since, March, since March last year, well, of, of everybody that has a digital-only relationship, so if, with a neobank, of those people, actually 36% of them signed up since March last year in the UK. So that's quite a hefty chunk. And that shows that the pandemic has kind of increased this, this move to digital-only banking and... 41% of those that use digital only have said that that's increased as a result of the pandemic. So I think we'll see that continue to accelerate. And then finally, a focus to, to well, a focus 
on saving money. I think we've spoken a little bit about this before. We saw in the US, 77% of people who use financial apps say they want to save more money in the next 12 months and 66% say they want to manage their money better. They're their top financial objectives. So this whole situation has just really encouraged people to just have, they have more of a desire to save money. Um, And I think married to that is an appetite for financial products that offer bigger returns. So people going into investing, you know, is it's becoming far more mainstream. Uh, we found that more than half of American uh, finance app users are already gearing up to invest this year. Um, we're seeing more and more competition in this space uh, with uh, micro investment apps and trading apps and just making this all really accessible for, for consumers in a really low interest environment to be able to actually get better returns on their investments. So yeah, I, I imagine that desire to save money, make more money will continue as well. Yeah, that's really interesting. And and consumer trends are very important because um, you're going to have to, well, fintechs are going to be changing their messaging depending mm. on what people are saying. So, one, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if you have any examples, but I'm sure in the past 12 months, there's some fintech companies that are like, okay, now it's all about saving. How can I help them save more messaging, all that, even the product to help Maybe we could use an example of of Starlink's connected card, yeah. uh, although that's kind of well, that was kind of like a COVID, not really saving. But mm. there, I'm sure there's examples out there of fintechs who have adjusted to that and are like, okay, how can I help? How can I help my customer save? How can I help them invest? And that's also down to research, right? Just uh, understanding consumer trends and adapting with those. Yeah, completely. Right. I do think the Starling example is a really great one of just being really quick to pivot and to understand what people needed. And it was, it was a really lovely, uh, a really lovely product that they bought out. Um, quite a funny one uh, is in the US Ally Bank, encouraging savings from very early doors. They offered $250 for people that were born on New Year's Eve 2020. <laughs> so literally oh, wow. capturing them from birth, which is quite an interesting <laughs> angle. We'll see how that plays out. But I thought that was quite, <laughs> that was quite a good one. Yeah, I mean, there's loads of brands that are that are that are doing really great here. I mentioned before about uh, digital currencies. Uh, so Luno is a really great example, bringing investments to people and making that safe and easy to explore. Uh, Dozens is quite an interesting brand. Um, you know, trying to make savings easy for everybody, and they're having phenomenal growth at the moment. Robinhood just IPO'd, I believe. So yeah, they're making it kind of almost scarily easy to trade. <laughs> um, and I think the boredom of lockdown um, has actually seen their services soar. You know, a lot of people that have never really invested before using the platform. So yeah, there's there's tons of really cool fintechs, fintechs out there doing some great things. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. Well, um, this is super interesting. Thank you so much for sharing uh, so much information. I have one last question to you, which is, how can a fintech ensure or build constant, how do I put this? How can a fintech um, build kind of channels with their uh, customers to constantly be able to receive feedback? And be, So basically, what's the easiest way for a fintech company to kind of be in constant communication with their customers and therefore make research a lot easier? What are some, some thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think to your point, speaking out to your own customer base is a great way to do that. But uh, getting that wider view is essential. And that is the way that people use the test. It's kind of embedded into their day to day. They want to tap into something. You can write a 
couple of questions just to get the answers that you need and get results back in hours or, you know, days, depending on how niche the audience is. It's not this arduous, as we said before, kind of expensive, big lofty process that takes months. And, you know, that's not how startups work. They need the answers now. Um, and so that's why having access to a platform like a test just, just makes it incredibly easy. And then we are also doing, and there's, you know, there's lots of great people out in the fintech industry just doing constant uh, consumer trends ongoing as well. So there's lots of documentation that you can be reading more generally about the trends to tap into that's really rich. You don't need to pay for it yourself. It's out there. Um, so we have, for example, our annual fintech review is coming out in a couple of weeks. And so that's tapping into trying to understand what are some of the sustained uh, behavioral changes that are going to continue post lockdown. Um, we've got a bit of a pay- payments focus, looking at kind of use of cash digital banking, tons of interesting stuff in there. And, you know, obviously I think our content's fantastic, but there is, there's loads out there in terms of people tapping into, into consumer trends. And that can be really, really valuable just to, to get a, a read on the market. So you're saying make, make customer research kind of a daily thing. Like you can join, um, go on your platform, ask a few questions and make it like part of your routine, almost part of a weekly routine of the startup is of your startup is to just keep asking questions and yeah, make it like part of your day-to-day work. Yeah. I think, you know, not to prescribe, it has to be daily, but I think part of the decision-making process, absolutely. You know, you have a decision to make, but no matter how big or small, let the customers help you inform, make sure that that is informed by customers and you're not just sort of sat in a boardroom making it up. (laughs) And I think, yeah, that continuous nature of the insights is really how this whole industry is going to evolve. And yeah, platform like a test make that possible. The continuous nature of uh, research. I think that's a really good way to explain it. Thanks a lot, Sarah, for coming on. It's been a, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode. You can find all the information and show notes over at fintechmarketinghub.com. If you'd like to come on the podcast or just share some feedback, don't hesitate to get in touch with us. We're always looking for ways to improve the podcast. That's all for today. See you next time.